This morning I want to talk to you about dealing with disappointments. In 1 Kings chapter 17, there's seven verses that I want to read to you. As I begin to read, some of you that are very familiar with this story, others of you are not. And uh, I want to, they, to try to help us deal with some things that are in our life that are keeping us from being what God wants us to be. It's very easy to get discouraged. It is very easy to be disappointed. It is very easy to just quit and give up and just hope by chance that we will survive. But yet the Bible teaches us how to deal with disappointments. We could go several places in the scripture, but let me just go to this one spot in 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to be talking about Elijah, the prophet. And listen, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew or rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went, and he did according to the word of the Lord. Now, don't miss that phrase. He went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went, he dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the water of the brook. And it came to pass, now here's the main verse, and it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. Am I talking to anybody today? So I think I'm there. I think my source of strength and help has dried up. So stay with me. There had been no rain in the land. Said the brook is dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I'm sure if we were to be honest with each other and we'd have a testimony time, there would be some that would praise the Lord. They would stand and say all oh, that what God has done because he did it in their case. But you know what? There would be others. They would probably keep their head bowed, maybe their eyes closed during that time. Because down in the depths of their being said, you know, the wheels are coming off in my life. I, I wished I had a testimony like that. I wished I could talk about my family like I heard them talk about their family. I wished I could talk about my finances like they talked about their finances. I wished I could talk about my job as they talked about their job, my school, whatever it might be. Has that ever happened to you? Are we every day like we look on Sunday? Or do we have days of disappointment? Days of discouragement. Not only days, but weeks, months, and sometimes years of just trying to get through whatever we're in. I remind when people come and talk with me about performing their marriage, there's some words uh, that are very familiar in my generation, and they lived happily ever after. Remember that? And it's amazing how many people think that's in the Bible. 
But I just want you to know, that's in the Mother Goose rhymes. All right? Nobody ever got married and lived happily ever after. And nobody ever stayed single and lived happily ever after. There are storms in life. Jesus could not go around the cross. He had to go to the cross in order to fulfill the Father's plan in his life. And we're not going to spend our lives in some beautiful place and the brooks are, are coming by and the birds are feeding you and everything is just going happy, happy, happy. I just can't wait to send pictures home to all my friends and tell them, wish you were here, wish you were here. And by the way, when they write you that, they don't wish you were there. <laughs> they just want you to know they're there, then you're not. Which leads to disappointments, you know, which I'm talking about today. Israel was God's choice nation. Was then, still is. But they had some tough times. If you are familiar with the story of Israel, it was a difficult place to live and still is. Even though you are God's people, there are times when the brook drives up. There are times when disappointments come. There are times when you don't understand it and somebody will write a song about it. But we'll understand it better by and by. But it may not be in this life. It may be really by and by, in the sweet by and by, where the Lord sits us down and say, by the way, I know we went through some rough times and you didn't talk to me much during that time and you kind of got mad at me. But... Do you look back now and see that I was still in control? Would you just look back and understand that all things do work together for good to those that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose? The scripture doesn't say all things are good. It says all things work together for good. When you hadn't had sleep for a long time and you get one night's sleep, you'll tell everybody for six weeks, I had the best night's sleep I ever had. That's just the way God has wired us together. And he said, no good thing will I withhold from those that love me. Many people are alive today, and they are so obligated to the past that they find it seemingly impossible to enjoy the present and the future. I have seen people for many, many years in my life lose it at 40, Buried at 80, and the last 40 years were down here in the desert. For whatever reason, they wouldn't let go and let God have his way. Those great songs that we sang, let go and let God have his wonderful, glorious, precious ways. But you got to let go. You have to understand God's got it all planned. And that all things will work together for good, but for you to be disappointed and despondent and get mad at God and quit reading your Bible and quit praying and quit coming to church and go out into the world and seek your fortune there and find out how disappointing was your search. The characters here, Ahab was a king. Jezebel was the queen. Some of you have heard that word used and didn't even know where it came from. Somebody calls you a Jezebel, that's not a flattering term, okay? <laughs> but we have Ahab king, Jezebel's a queen. Idol worship was rampant, and God sent a drought through Israel. God sent a drought through Israel. 
But that's God's people. Somebody say, well, I think America's God's people. God can send a drought through America, and we may be right in the middle of it. And whether we get out or not depends on whether we follow him or keep on doing our own thing. We'll never work out our problems in America at the voting polls. We'll work it out at the altar of our churches, which, as I told you last week, 900 of them are closing every year. They call themselves Baptist churches. You can add all the other denominations to it, and you come to a catastrophic figure because we have left our first love, and we've gone after other gods. But let's get back to our story. God sends a man. God sends a prophet. You know, most of the time when God's going to do something, he sends somebody. He comes into person. He gives them insight, clarity of thought. He gives them faith. He gives them uh, strength. He gives them wisdom. But the main thing is he gives them fellowship. Wherever God leads, they go. God says not many gifted, not many wise are chosen. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God has chosen simple people that just live one day at a time, but every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And when Jesus is not seen in that 24-hour period of time in the life of those that are following him, they do become discouraged, which leads them to a time of prayer and a time of following what I hope that I'll convince you to follow today. The ravens came the feeding. It sort of turned into a retreat center when you get to thinking about it. He felt safe, didn't have to lock his doors at night. He felt secure. But you know what? One day, the brook dried up. See, we get spoiled. God can be good to a lot of us. We just let go of God. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. I'll see you at the judgment. And now I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry because I might die. And I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And I've always wanted one of these, and I'm going to get me one. Thank you for the money. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be where I ought to be. Thank you for putting me in a business that everybody wants what I've got. Just thank you, God. Thank you, God. No, I'm not going to give any of it back to you. No, I'm not going to be happy. No, it's not going to keep my marriage together. But I'm going to keep on trucking because I've just got the world in my hand. Wrong. 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 One day the brook dried up. And that's what he was depending on. You know what's happened to a lot of us today? Some here in the building, some watching, some listening, and people all over the world. What happened to us, what you've been depending upon, has dried up. No longer does the doctor say, when you're 90 years old, you got the body of a 60-year-old. When you go in and you're 90 and they say you got the body of 110 years old, you get really bothered. But everybody goes to the doctor and comes home and he says, we don't find a thing wrong with you. They say, woohoo, woohoo, woohoo. I got 10 more years to sin. And I got 10 more years to put in my will, being of sound mind. I spent everything I had while I was alive. You don't want to read that kind of will, do you? You don't want to go to your family's will and you think I'm going to inherit something. They say, being of sound mind, I just spent it all. Well, they're going to wonder why they kept coming over to see you. Why they kept calling you every other year. 
But you see, when God takes over, good things begin to happen. When we get to the point that we believe, God said, I won't withhold any good thing from those that love me. And when we come to the point that we say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if he slays me, I'm going to trust him. But I'm not going to trust the things of this world. Don't trust your medicines. Don't trust the doctors. Don't trust the stock exchange. Don't trust your business. Don't trust your friends. Trust God and God alone. Yes, we're blessed to have a strong nation. And we say America's the strongest nation on the planet. Not without God, it's not. When we quit trusting in God, we have nowhere else to turn. Nowhere else to turn. Well, I hope that most of us can identify with the story this morning. I hope you can see yourself. Now, let me tell you how. Maybe you've just lost your job. Maybe you've lost your mate. Maybe you've lost your marriage. Maybe you've lost your health. Maybe you've lost a child. We could go on and on. Your savings is gone. Your focus is, you don't have any focus anymore. You're drifting around like a drunk in the fog. And you have no hope and your energy's down. And you can just barely get around. Because you haven't learned from this text. There is a way to get out. God has a way of turning nations around, families around, individuals around, and businesses around. I can remember when I was a young, young child and really didn't know what they were talking about. But I would hear people say, you know, if you want security, buy you some GE stock, buy you some Sears, some J.C. Penney's, Woolworths, Montgomery Wards. Man, they'll be around till the Lord comes back again. Well, if you bought into that, you're struggling. Because you see, anything man builds can fall in a heartbeat. But if God builds it and does it, it'll stand forever. God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you come to that point, and I come to that point, where we say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Wherever he leads, I'm going to go. I will trust him if he slays me, but I am not going to follow this world. I am not going to take for granted that the news is accurate. I get so tired of being in conversation. Everybody says, well, I heard on the news. 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 I've told you this before, but if you've ever had your name in the news, whether it was a no-hope town in Texas, and they put out a paper every six months, and you had your name in the paper, I will guarantee you the story was not totally right. You know, you played Little League, and you got a double in the second. No, you struck out in the fifth is what really happened. You're glad they wrote it like they did. But news, they have a little tab this big, listen, write it down, and hit it on their computer, and it comes on the air, and just go through four stations. All, all four of them got different news. So what are we going to do? We're going to go to the good news. What's another word for the good news? Gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The world changes, but God does not change. And he will take away from you the things you're leaning on if you're wanting to follow him. If you think your money is your strength, your looks is your strength, your business is your strength, or your family, or anything else, thou shalt have no other God before me, is what God of the universe says. 
And if you'll follow me, then I will use you for my glory. Anything, anything that you love or I love and rely on, anything that is more important than Jesus will not be around very long. God has made it very clear. If you're leaning on something and it's of man, it will not be around very long. Now, having said that, you may be, I may be in the center of the will of God right now at this very moment. We might could say I've never felt better, never lived at a better time, but you know something? It can be gone like that. The best story here, the best testimony here, or anywhere out on the airways, the best story is just one heartbeat away from turning into tragedy. We've got to hold on to something that's not only here, but is up there. And we've got to have a way to get from here to up there. And when we read the scripture, we find a lot of stories like the disciples that got in the boat in obedience to the Lord and ended up in a storm. When you follow God, it doesn't mean you're not going to have any storms, but you know what it does mean? You're going to weather the storm. You're going to get through the storm. You're going to make it. Your friends that don't know the Lord are not going to make it. That's the reason we need to bring them with us. Oh, who will come and go with me? I'm what? Bound for the promised land. Where are the three reasons that I can see here that the brook dried up in our story? Number one, sometimes life's disappointments are God's appointments. Sometimes the things that we regret, God rejoices in them because he's got a plan. And by the way, God really enjoys humbling us. For those of us think we got it all together and we know how to explain every verse in the Bible, God will put something in the way that we don't understand. And when your friend comes over and you've always told them what the interpretation of that scripture is and now you don't have one, God just kind of smiles and say, my ways are higher than your ways, even though you're the best among them. My ways are higher than your ways. And those disappointments that we experience could be God's appointments. Let me add another thing to it. Every disappointment in our life, God knew about it before it came. Not just appointments, but disappointments. And so as we go through this time, we have to think, God, why? And I can tell you what they're for. They're for our good and for his glory. That's the reason we're dealing with them. They're for our good and for his glory. So the first thing that I want you to hear from Elijah and his brook drying up that God is out to set us free. The bondage of this world, clinging to the things that we think will be with us forever. Elijah, listen, came to the point at that brook that he thought he was on vacation. He could just sit there and enjoy. Didn't have to answer the phone. 
He didn't have to fool with friends. All he had to do was just wait for the ravens to come in the morning and the ravens to come at night, and there were no dishes to wash. And he was really, I mean, he was on that wonderful, glorious time, great clear water, and all of a sudden, the brook dries up. You know what God wants us to know? God wants us to know that he's the sole source of everything that we need. He is the sole source of everything. For God to bless you with money, and you use that money to glorify God, God's got plenty more where that came from. When God gives you ability like the choir, the orchestra, and they use it for the glory of God, God can use it to bless so many people with it. But when the brook dries up, watch out. Some of us have lost our perspective that are church-going people. We've, we've boiled it down now. If I can come to church on Sunday morning, I'm okay. And I feel guilty if I don't come every week, but maybe two or three times I'll kind of backslide. But I, I just think that, you know, you don't have to come to church to love God. No, you don't. But that doesn't remove the scripture that says upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by in the store as I have prospered you and remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It doesn't change that. And so as we look at the story, I hadn't seen this but about twice in my life. And that's fly paper. I didn't even know what it was. I thought the Air Force put out a magazine or something and it was called fly paper. But uh, I saw some. And I was told to hang it up around the hunting camp. And I did. And guess what? Every fly around would come and light on that paper. And every fly I thought is my paper, my paper, my paper. And the paper was thinking it's my fly, my fly, my fly. <laughs> and that's what's going on. The devil is looking at us and saying, now you're mine. Now you're mine. You tried to go on your own. I've held up something here. You saw it on the internet, and just here's a number, call me, and we'll just be happy ever after. Boom, you're caught. You bought all the false advertisements on television, everything else. You didn't read the little print. You just read the big print. Everybody's getting one. You know what? If everybody's getting one, that's one reason you might be cautioned to stay away from it. Because broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many go therein, but narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few there are that find it. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And that narrow way is the way of the cross, and the way of the open tomb, and the way of the ascension, and the second coming of the Lord. And then we'll be forever with the Lord. But let me give you something else. God has a very leading real purpose for your disappointments. Man, I, sometimes I say, well, you should tell me. You know, I'll keep it a secret, God. Just tell me. Why am I going through this? What have I done? Why are you mad at me? And you know what I keep hearing back? Just be still and know that I'm God. Amen. And one day you'll understand. But not now. But not now. You couldn't understand it even if I tried to explain it to you. You can get too much money. You can get too much fame and fortune. 
You can get too many friends. There's a lot of this world stuff, and you can get too much of it. And when you do, you're going down. And every time we even try to find what's happening in our generation to those that one time were on the top of their world, and we see how they end, and we say, oh, God, let me cling to you. Let me walk with you. Let me be what you want me to do. God had a plan for Elijah from the time he was born. He did pretty good, but he couldn't get him away from that brook. And that's what's happening with a lot of us. God can't get you away from your brook. Your business is too good. You got to keep it open on Sunday or you just might not grow it. You begin to start saying, my time, you know, I don't have time. I'm a busy person. I can do better playing golf on Sunday with three of my customers than I can by coming to God's house and, and depending on God to supply my need. And we get caught up into that and we sit back and we watch thousands fail and we go and say, but not me because I'm a Christian and God's going to bless me. You know what? When God blesses you, again, he's going to give you what you need and me what I need, not what I want. And this story lives on. The Bible talks in this passage about the, uh, well, it's in the book of Deuteronomy, the 32nd chapter, I believe it is, in verse 10 or 11. I believe it's verse 11, about the eagle stirring its nest. What does an eagle do? What does it mean about stirring the nest? What's that, what's that passage talking about? If you've ever been around, not only eagles, but a lot of birds, but the eagles do this. When the eagle, the young one's beginning to grow, and they need to learn how to fly, they don't send them to school. They kick them out of the nest. Can you imagine people doing that? What about a, a child paying their way through college? Oh, no goodness, I'm saving money for them. I won't have enough money saved. They can get married, I'm going to pay for it. They can go to school, I can pay for it. I'm going to do this, I just think so. You know, when they get to be 40 years old and finally get out and can't get a job, both of you are going to be wondering what happened. It's amazing how much more I studied when I started paying my way through Baylor. I became a born-again student. <laughs> that if I was going to stay around here, it was going to be somebody had to pay for it, and there was a limit to what my parents could pay. But God has a way of getting us through those times. And sometimes he just kicks you out of the nest. Get out there. You think so? You think you can rob God of the tithes and offerings and make it? Have at it, big boy. Let, let your stock in your company. See what happens to it. And yet when you let go and say, God, I'm going to follow you. Wherever you lead, I'm going to go. And you start moving out that way. God kicks us out of the nest. He's wanting to liberate us so he can lead us to where he wants us to go. And whenever that happens, good things happen. Third thing is that there's a lifting purpose. God had something great in store for Elijah, but he had to kick him out of the nest. Now, for those of you who know the Bible, you know the next chapter in this, don't you? The raven's bringing him food, cold water, twice a day, two meals a day, meat and water, kicks him out, and a widow takes him in with three home-cooked meals every day. I promise you, that's a whole lot better than the first go-round. Cold water and cold meat sitting by a dry 
riverbed is not that romantic, nor is it that satisfying. But when he left the brook, God led him to a place where a miracle could be performed. You remember the story? It's a result of disappointments. He was disappointed in the brook, didn't know what he's going to do, how am I going to live, what am I going to get on, what am I going to do with my life? But God moved him on. In verse 4, there's the word, and I, and I underlined it in my Bible. In the fourth verse, the word there. And in verse 9, there's the word there. He moved him from here to there. Here dried up. There was miracles. There was the blessings. But this had to shut down before this could go on. But when it went on, good things happened. Now, here's my question. I've got to wrap this up. My question is, are you there? How many people am I speaking to right now and you really say, you know what, I guess you could describe, I'm sitting by a dry brook. I mean, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have any idea what's going to happen in the future. I don't really have any interest in anything. People get on my nerves. They call me. They always seem to be wanting to dump all their stories on me about how bad things are. I just don't know if I can put up this line. Are you there? I wonder if I'm talking to anybody and you say, you know, my life has kind of been out there in the drinking world, the dating world, and, and I, I've been out there jumping from job to job to job to job to job, trying to go up, trying to go up. They pay a little bit more. I'm going to jump up there, jump up there, jump up there, run that dog down and see. What happens to people after about 10 of those? You can't keep a job. And it just stops. Are you there? Do you really think you're going to win the lottery? Do you really think that God is looking for people to bless with money that will throw it away? And will never give a dime so that somebody in the world might hear the name of Jesus for the first time. I don't think you could even make a case for that and say, well, he's a good God. Yeah, he's too good to admit a wrong. He's too wise to make a mistake. And he stays focused. He came to seek and to save those which are lost, and he put his church here to seek and to save the lost. He did not put his church here to build social religious clubs in the metropolitan cities of America. That is not his purpose. Christian television is not for everybody to turn it on and say, send us $1,000 and get your reward. That is not what it's about. The Bible says you've got to be willing to forsake the past, confess the sin, repent, which means turn around, and follow the Lord, and wherever he leads you go, and he says, I will supply your need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God never takes anything away from his kids that were doing them any good unless he replaces it with something 10 times, 1,000 times better. But when we're in that moment, when I ask you the question, are you there? You say, well, I don't know. If you're there, you know. If you have been so frustrated, you say, I wish I could hear some good news. I wish I could see something good happen. But I'm just all caught up and I'm so down. But you know what? If you say, wherever he leads, I'm going to go. Let me tell you real quickly. If you will, God will provide for you. 
God will provide for you. If you will do what God wants you to do, God will provide your needs. Philippians 4, 19. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You go there, he'll provide for you there. And you know what he says? And I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go you therefore and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. But how does that verse end? And lo, say it with me. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. When God gets with you, he will never leave you. You leave him. He's leading this way, and you have a better idea. You were having those ideas 35 years ago. Why don't you trust him? Only trust him. Only trust him. He will save you, and he'll save you now. He will lift you out of the sinking sand and set you on the solid rock. And on Christ, the solid rock we stand, and all the other ground is sinking sand. If you're not sinking now, you're going to be. If you're not on the rock now, you're going to be sinking eventually. But God says, I still love you. I still got a plan for you. I sit up here and watch you. Time after time after time, you do the same old things you've always done, and you expect different results. It isn't going to change unless you come to me. All ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Your medicine cabinet might become half as full. Your time, that, your time to do what you want to may double. But what you've got to do is let go and let God. When Elijah obeyed, three miracles took place. Number one, the cruise of oil did not fail. That was a manifestation of God's provision. Number two, he raised the widow's son from the dead. That was a sign of God's power. And number three, fire fell from heaven on Mount Carmel and the enemy was destroyed and that's a sign of God's presence. Whenever God shows up, my dear friend, you and God are bigger than any enemy in the world. But when you throw God out and think that you can get enough friends and enough money and live long enough to get your problems solved, it will never, ever happen. If it does, it's a counterfeit because it came from Satan. And all it does is to just put the rocks around your neck and throw you out and say, swim, buddy, swim. Are you seeing God's presence, his power, his provision? Maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you still, you still got a few dollars. You still get around pretty good. You can still drive. You, you, you can still be invited to a few parties. You, you still have people want to come and listen to you for wisdom. Maybe so, but you're not there yet. But when you get there, like Elijah, there's only one hope out, and that's Jesus. That's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he will come, and he'll pick up his child, and he'll take care of you. You're talking about adopted. 
when you're adopted into the family of God, that's awesome. Unless the law has changed. When I grew up, you could disown your own kids, but if you adopted one, you were stuck with them for life. Well, I know one thing. The word in the Bible is we're adopted in the family of God. So you know what I think that believes? We're in here for life. And that's not only here on earth, that's for all of eternity. That's what we want each other to know. So you say, well, preacher, what, uh, what would you have me to do? Well, what would the Lord have you to do? Doesn't matter what I think. But what would the Lord have you to do? My suggestion would be to get out of the comfort zone you're in and get out on the battlefield and let's fight the devil together knowing that he that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. Let's reclaim our teenagers. Let's reclaim our children. Let's be the generation that's going to use the young people to change because we're one generation away from total destruction. And the only answer is to get our kids the truth and let them get set free and lead until Jesus comes back again. But it's going to take some older people that are willing to say to the younger people, listen to the word. I didn't listen when I should have. And I've learned the hard way, but I hope your testimony will end. But one day, one day, I met Jesus. And every day with Jesus. Oh, I was 60 years old, you might say. I was 40. I was 70. But one day I met the Lord, and I let go, and I let God. And when I did, it gets sweeter as the days go by. And God has never walked out on me. When I went to the valley, when I went to the hospital, when I went to the operating room, I had a peace that passes all understanding. When I walked through the valley, the shadow of death, and I lost someone close to me, strength came in the power of his might. Resist the devil. This is my final sentence to you. It's mentioned more often in the Bible than binding the devil. We got a lot of folks that are out binding the devil. They bind the devil. You know what you need to do? You need to resist him. If you resist him, you won't have to bind him. If you resist him, you'll be free. You don't want to get over to trying to bind him because he's smarter than you are. Just stay away. And the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin.